Welcome to Montana Market Watch. I'm your host, Joe Cummings, a licensed realtor at ERA Lambros in Missoula, Montana. Our podcast is for anyone interested in buying, selling, or investing in property in the current Western Montana market conditions. How would you like to try and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on something that no one knows exactly what it is? How about try to go live in it? That definitely can be scary and expensive. Today we talk about the inspection contingency and the teams who evaluate unknown home conditions. If you want to go further, we learn that many homes haven't ever been inspected by the state to see if they were originally built to code. Let's shed some light today. It's my pleasure to introduce Tim Netsley, the owner of Inspect Montana. Tim's company has been inspecting all types of property in Montana for over 20 years. One of the things that we'll talk about in a, in a real estate transaction is they're fairly highly charged. And, you know, in this market where you're, where a buyer, you know, a seller's super excited about a, getting an elevated price and a buyer's usually in a competitive environment, you, you know, many times you, you get a home under contract that both parties are excited about. And your job is to tell us actually what the condition of that property is. And they're not all perfect, are they? No, it, it might help that I'm not a very excitable person anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I guess one of my questions is, where do you start on a home inspection? Like, where, where, what's the, you, you show up, you're inspecting for a buyer, what, what, how, how does someone go about inspecting a house? What's the first thing you look at? I think the first thing, now the home inspection, if, if we're just talking about homes, yeah. a home inspection is... It's pretty uniform. I mean, it's there's uniform. Yeah, I mean, the houses are all a little bit different, but as far as what the method we employ to go about finding all those differences and whatever we need to discover along the way for the benefit of our client, that's fairly. Uh, we try to systematize that mm. so that it so that we're consistent mm -hmm. uh, for the agent's sake, of course. <clears throat> Excuse me, but we're also uh, maximizing the uh, our service of the concerns of the client so one of the first things we want to do is have some kind of conversation about whether it's with the realtor with the client themselves depending on the availability of course because some clients are uh, less available than sure. others uh, we want to know about any specific concerns that may be in this last year and a half there's been a lot of people that weren't even present mm -hmm. in the state for mm -hmm. the inspections so and and having so and a lot of them hadn't even seen the house to begin with so would that be like hey uh, uh, hey I, I i walk through with well i'll put it this way when when i go through a house with a client i'm looking for big stuff like is there a crack in the foundation what's on the opd hey this looks like a two-wire system man that roof doesn't look quite right what do we think um well and and it doesn't change how we do the inspection, mm -hmm. but it does change. It may change a little bit of how we report on certain things because we want to address those uh, bigger concerns of the client. So, and, and that I, that was a that's a speech, and maybe it's not the right speech I give, but I'd ask you as the inspector if this is the right speech. When I explain what an inspector's job is, it, I explain it as the canary in the coal mine. Mm -hmm. So you, in the reports and work that we've done together is, 
hey, that doesn't quite look right for whatever reason. And Tim's reports are exceptional. They're long reports, pictures, they have explanations. There's always a note to get an HVAC guy in here, get a structural engineer guy in here. Is that a right description of what you do? And then following up from there, how far does it go? Like where, where, does, where do you feel like you need to hand the ball off to someone more specific in their trade? That's going to be different with every inspector. Okay. Uh, for us, we try, since we have a team of inspectors and we work with one another, we're always FaceTiming or texting pictures or working, you know, trying to get bigger answers, better answers. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the tendency of, a, uh, of some inspectors may be to uh, refer everything out. And okay. so I've heard complaints from other agents and that... Uh, the whole report is just filled with contact a specialist, contact a specialist. There is a degree to which that has to be. It's just the nature of the industry. We are generalists. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't open walls up. We can't uh, uh, chip away at foundations and dis- discover if the steel is where it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, not that we chip away. We, there are tools to, to find that. Right, There's a heat tools. gun, right? Or a- well, we use thermography, but that's not going to help us with the steel in the foundation. Okay. We also use uh, tools that you can scan along. They're, they're basically scanners looking for ferrous metals. Really? Yeah. But that's something that's more specialized. It's not a part of a general home inspection. Mm-hmm. We, can, we can get into those more specialized aspects ourselves just because we've got some of the background and expertise in some of those areas. But at some point, you're going to need somebody who does that kind of work. And mm-hmm. so when we refer uh, out, it's because there's going to be some work that needs to be done on this or that. So we'll recommend a certain type of specialist. And of course, well, you know, we've got a full referral list of contractors yeah. that we've worked with, that we're familiar with, we know their ethic. And and, uh, and, and the, the, one, the most common ones that I see are HVAC, bring in a HVAC, structural engineer, occasionally a plumbing bid, and occasionally an electrical bid. HVAC is going to be a big one. HVAC is? Yeah, a uh, big one as far as uh, the, the number of times it gets referred because everybody's got a furnace or a boiler or mm-hmm. uh, if they don't have electric heat. Electric heat, there's, there's zero maintenance on. But anything that does require maintenance, that maintenance more often than not has been referred, deferred down the end. More so, often than not. More right. often than not. Yeah. It, those are recommended to have annual maintenance done. You can do it yourself if you're uh, inclined to do so and want to learn how to do so and they're handy enough. A lot of times people will bring in uh, an HVAC company that they're comfortable with that comes in annually or, or biannually mm-hmm. and uh, takes a look at, at uh, the system and gives them their stamp of approval before or after they have to do any work to it. A lot of times we see forced air furnaces, for example, that were installed 10 years ago and never looked at again. <laughs> right, right. Other right, than right, changing right, the filter, maybe. Right, 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 right. And, the, and I guess I'd, I'd add in to just a kind of a side note beyond, not beyond, more real estate stuff. What we're talking about today is what we're functioning in is an inspection contingency. And that's one of the contingencies of a real estate transaction. Not all of them because we're in a seller's market. Sometimes they waive inspections. So if you haven't bought a home, what that means is 
the buyer and seller agree to a price and they everybody assumes the condition is good and then about right after we go under contract I call Tim and say hey Tim can I set up an inspection and there's a suite of services there's a basic inspection um, the typical add-ons there's a basic inspection there's a radon there is a mold but the molds not the molds a, a spore count a basic spore count it's different than a hygienist right yeah we we can do an air test or we can do a surface test yeah uh, air test is limited to uh, seasonal conditions so right now we couldn't do an air test because it's too cold to pull a reference from the outside reference oh interesting but if we're doing an inspection and we see something that looks like mold we may recommend to the client that they we can pull a sample off of this and send it to the lab and see what it is we're going back to real estate so once Tim Tim's lightning fast. I mean, within it's usually the day of we get a report or Tim's crew, um, Tim and Tim's crew, we get a report that day. And what we do with clients then is if you're buy side, you say, um, in fact, we just worked on one north of here where we had some pretty big disagreements on the plumbing on um, just north of here. I can't give addresses because of MLS. And we went to the buyer, we went to the seller and said, you know, we disagree. We, we give notice that this plumbing's not what it is, what we, what we think it should be. And will you give us a price concession or will you perform remedy? Will you come bring a plumber in and fix these things? And they can be fairly contentious. In that particular case, my client, and I think rightly so, just said, I just don't want to own this house. Um, and I guess that brings my other question there's a lot of things in a, an inspection report that are noted that functionally, certainly in the seller's market, can be minor things. Like the one that we see all the time is it's the engineered wood that's too close to the dirt. Yeah. And uh, as I understand it, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, listen, this isn't right. And you could have a larger problem down the road, mm -hmm. but today you're probably not going to get a concession for that. And, or you just need to remove the wood and the siding's not all smoked, but they're more deferred maintenance items. Right. And we, of course, avoid conversations about concessions because it's not our, right. our field. Right, right. And we defer back to the, their real estate agent. But one of the reasons we prefer to have the client show up towards the end of the inspection so we can go through any of those things is to uh, put a realistic expectation about those kinds of things because we have to report it uh, a certain way in the sense that um, if this is if this is just a note you know, report it as a minor concern uh, mm -hmm. something that you should be aware of so you know depending on of course what the client is looking for their objective for the house uh, if they're, if it's an investment property, if it's something they're going to live in, if they're putting their kids in it. I had one client tell me, look at this house like she's your daughter. <laughs> that was, well, well, what kind of budget do you have? It was a client <laughs> and her mother showed up and her mother said, this, this is your daughter. You got, and I said, well, if it's my daughter, I could fix everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did a, a David, uh, who you brought on, I guess he's been about a year, year and a half. Great. He did a great job. We, uh, we got this house under contract and closed it. And most of the items on the inspection were what I would call deferred maintenance. They weren't structural, going to fall down. But if you're going to own this home and you want to 
you, you want to avoid a big repair. And David must have taken, I mean, I don't know, hour, hour and a half, walked us through everything. You know, this isn't falling apart. I noted it on my inspection that it needs to be resealed. This needs to be repainted. I was really impressed with your, um, with your staff on their ability to give a, you know, a smart deferred maintenance schedule for that homeowner so she knew how to knew how to go forward and at the same time not over the top this has fallen down today now we've been in like that one in north of here you know i agreed i agreed with you and i agreed with the plumber that you know i think you're going to have some pretty major problems with that property that's a different conversation right yeah and that particular case back to the first question we're fairly uniquely qualified in the sense that our certifications go beyond just home inspections and right. commercial building inspections. Uh, I personally have all the certifications for the International Code Council for all the trades. I've been doing... Because um, you're inspecting for code stuff, right? I mean, that's some of your other businesses, right? Yeah, one of our other businesses does uh, building, building departments, uh, plan review, and code inspections along the phases of construction projects. So we, so I'm familiar by training and by experience with all the other trades to a point. Of course, uh, I, as we said, I'm a master electrician. I'm not a plumber. I'm not a tenor or an HVAC guy. Right. Um, or a carpenter or builder, but I have been in that environment and around that much and then have been to so much schooling and all that so when i looked at the plumbing system in that house uh which happens a lot outside of the municipalities that have building yes yeah. there's certain let's put, let's put that out there real quick so there's certain places where you inspect where when they were built a building inspector came in and went through them and there's certain places in which we work and inspect that they do not have a building inspector come in Most yeah. places most places in Montana. Well, residentially, the state doesn't look at anything outside of uh, plumbing and electrical. And, really? Yeah, residentially. And if, it, and if a homeowner is doing their own plumbing, then for, for whatever reason, this is uh, unique to just plumbing, y you, you don't have to get a permit. You don't have to do anything. So nobody ever comes in and takes a look Never. at it. However... If you hire a plumber, that plumber is supposed to pull a permit and do all that stuff. Oh, interesting. interesting. So, but that doesn't happen in the more rural parts and sometimes even in the municipalities uh, because the, uh, the, the presence in the town is, is limited to whatever the town can afford to have. Oh, interesting, interesting. So a lot of times you're inspecting homes that have never had anybody in there other than yourself to inspect it or an inspector previously on a previous sale. Well, consider this, what do you, what do you suspect uh, in the holistic construction of a home is the most important? Uh, I'm gonna guess the most dangerous would be structural followed by electrical. Structural can fall down, electrical can catch on fire. Right, I would agree with you. The, the foundation oh, yeah. is never, none of, none of the building part of it is ever looked at residentially. Wow. Outside of the municipalities that have uh, inspectors. So Missoula County, Missoula City, they mm -hmm. have their own building departments. We, uh, our other company runs some of the smaller ones uh, around here. But outside of those 
areas, like Kalispell has their own building department, mm -hmm. and they actually uh, load share, I guess, they, you know, uh, Columbia Falls, I think it is, and some other smaller towns will borrow inspectors to get things done from Kalispell, as I understand it. But, uh, so there's some, but in the state jurisdictions, there's nothing residentially for the building aspect. So the foundation, the framing, the, the, the engineering that goes mm -hmm. into, you know, the roof trusses, the floor trusses, all that kind of stuff, none of that is ever verified. So it's up to the builder to make sure all that stuff is done well. Now, most builders want to do a quality job. Mm -hmm. They want to keep their name, they want to make a name, you know, whatever. So most contractors, period, I'd say, uh, are on the up and up and want to do a good job and, and, and be known for that. There are a few that will sneak in on a weekend. <laughs> a few. <laughs> some, a couple. <laughs> some will, uh, short of getting it right, will just get it done. Yeah. So yeah. it's functional, but not quite. And that was this house up north with the plumbing. It, it was a small house with one bathroom, one kitchen, so there mm -hmm. wasn't really much to do with the plumbing. But, <laughs> but apparently they couldn't figure out how to make that right. Yeah. And an older house, so when they redid the plumbing, the venting through the walls and through the roof was already uh, to uh, an earlier standard, not to today's standard. So that really, I mean, that, it, it, you know, going back to a real estate point again, we're, as a team, you know, the buyer, me, the lending, which we'll talk on a different podcast, how that works. But from the inspection standpoint, we're generally inspecting things that aren't heavily held to regulations. It's not like there's someone checking in once a week, is your framing good? Okay, put up the sheetrock. Okay, is your electrical good? Okay, put up that, put up that. So the, the value of a, of a high quality inspector, that's why our, my, myself and my clients used him, is we wanna know. And it's better to be more aggressive to know what's in there, either from a going forward deferred maintenance standpoint, stay ahead of something that could cost you a lot of money, or maybe it's not the right house. Um, I should clarify that a, a home inspector will inspect for functionality, not for code. A home inspector will inspect for functionality, not code. Okay. Functionality and what safety. What does that mean? Well, uh, a home inspector, the typical home inspector is not a code inspector. Okay. And, and we don't bring code inspection into the home inspection, even though some of us are qualified to do so. Okay. But that does inform us as to what uh, a good system looks like, again, to that house up north with yeah. the plumbing. That system was no way going to meet code, but that doesn't mean it's not functional. It yeah, was fairly functional, but it was it was arranged in such a way that it wouldn't remain that way. It wouldn't remain that, and that was our big issue with it. Right, is that at some point this is going to fail? Yes, and if it fails, and you bring in a plumber to fix it, they're going to have to go to code, and that's going to be expensive. Given a small house and everything was exposed, my first question to the clients was, "How much work do you want to do? How handy are you?" Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, I guess one of my other questions is, what what was the worst one you did this year? Uh, don't say it was one of mine, Tim. <laughs> it's got to be a. <laughs> it's got a slumming house. Uh, what I mean, what have you done one this year where you walked in? I heard a story about an inspector from one of the other agents. The inspector walked in and said, "Do you really want me to continue this because this thing is smoked?" Yeah. And and you know, smoked can mean 
it's not worth what you thought it was worth, or this is a teardown. Have you have you inspected one where you just said tear this thing down? I have. I mean, we've been doing this for over twenty years. Yeah. And yeah, right. So, it's very rare because our philosophy is everything's fixable. Yeah. It's very rare that anything falls outside of that. Okay. And usually that's well, that's always more than deferred maintenance. It was poor construction to mm -hmm. begin with, and then uh, exacerbated by uh, poor maintenance, everything just started falling apart. Yeah. And so, you know, where we see this most often is in additions. In additions is where you see it. Yeah. No, the, really. the additions that maybe the foundational structure wasn't tied into the original structure mm -hmm. the way it should have been, and it's sinking where, whereas the original structure is 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 staying put. I did one south of here. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> south of here. Yeah. Where it was a really nice old home in the middle, original, and then they had built shed roof additions on either side of it. Mm -hmm. Both of those additions had no foundation to speak of, basically supported by cinder blocks, even though the original was, was done well on a, on a proper foundation. But the way they tied all of this stuff in, these two additions were just rotting from the ground up. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to see that on an inspection report. Noted, rotting from the ground up. Right, yeah, and rotting from the ground up, and uh, there was no access underneath those portions because right. there was no foundation to speak of to really see how far that had had been uh, had had traveled. So, and there was no access into the attic spaces of those. So, foundations, you know, crawl spaces and uh, basements, unfinished basements anyway and attics, they tell the whole story of the house. The house will talk Say to Say that you. again, the attic, and the attic and the foundation tell the whole story of the house? Yeah, because when you, if you're looking into a crawl space, you're looking into an unfinished basement, you can see a lot of the structure and, and the craftsmanship that was put into it. And say the same with the, uh, with the attic. Interesting. So it doesn't matter if it was built in, the 19, in 1901 or 2001, there is Obviously, the 1901 house is not going to fall under current standards, but there's a level of craftsmanship that is identifiable. And so you can see the care that was put into it when it was being built and how, whether corners were, were cut uh, beyond the norm or, or you know. So could you, have you inspected a great, a great 1920 house that you're like, this is solid, somebody did this thing right? Several. And have you inspected a... 1998 house um, that you're like, whoa. I've inspected 2020 houses. That Two, like, 2020 whoa. houses <laughs> that are like, well, oh, oh boy. I've inspected several houses that were either brand new or near brand new and uh, outside of those jurisdictional mm -hmm. areas of the building departments where it was, uh, it was fairly shoddy craftsmanship. Wow. But I've inspected m mostly uh, good ones, you know. The the thing with the older houses is if you keep up with the maintenance and they're built right to begin with, there's nothing wrong with them. Even the mm. old stone foundations, the rubble foundations, really? they scare a lot of people. But if they're done right, they're they're still good foundations. Hmm. Hmm. What uh, um, what do you think the number one deferred maintenance item that you see? when you inspect and you just shake your head and go, if they just would have done this, 
we would be in a wholly different place. What do you think that item is? Foundations, roofs? If it's just deferred maintenance we're talking about, mm -hmm. it would be exterior flashing. Exterior flashing. That keeps the water outside, outside. Oh, really? So that's, yeah. that's something that, that's, that shows up a fair amount with... Well, I don't know. I can't tell you how many, inspect, how many houses we've inspected where the person who's occupied it for the last 20 years has never seen the attic. You should go in there once a year. You should go in the attic once a year? You should go in there once a year. Don't screw up the installation if it's uh, the blown-in type because mm -hmm. as soon as you trample it, it's lost its integrity. But if you go in there and, and as much as you can get a, a vision of what's going on, you'll, you'll be able to catch any leaks that are happening because of exterior flashing, mm -hmm. chimney penetrations, whether they're you know brick or metal, uh, flue penetrations, uh, plumbing vents, any of those... Any of those roof penetrations uh, over time, a lot of them have the metal collar and then the rubber boot over the top. Yeah, and you see the rubber boots always like cracked out. Yeah, nobody ever knows their rubber boots are deteriorated to the point where they're letting water into the attic. Yeah, yeah. So, so really keeping water out of the house. Keeping water out. So water, we can't live without water, right? Right. But it's also very destructive. So uh, everything on the, the house is never waterproof. Everything on the house and the exterior of the house should be designed to shed water away. So it's water resistant in the way that it is structured to allow water to flow away from the house. So it begins with the flashing and the roofing material, the way the roof is designed over the siding, what's under the siding because the siding's not waterproof and you've got penetrations of the siding where you've got hose bibs, windows, doors, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. Uh, you need to have everything regularly sealed and painted and then going to your siding too close to the soil. Mm -hmm. Soil retains that moisture. A lot of siding materials that we use the engineered wood, uh, used to call it LP siding yeah, type. Yeah, LP, yeah. It, uh, that absorbs that moisture, and once it absorbs that moisture and starts to delaminate, there's no rep reparations for it. It's just replacement. And some of the older stuff, it's harder to, you know, you, you've got to look for the right material to be able to match it if you're not going to do a residing job at all. And those aren't, those aren't big... I mean, to stay on top of that stuff, that's not big money. No, a little bit of maintenance saves a ton of money. But what we see often, as we said, is deferred maintenance. So, you know, we've also got, you know, gutters are not required, but they, they should be installed. And then those downspouts need to, every inspector is going to call out downspouts too close to the house. Uh, but the reason is, is that, and the grading, of course, needs to be 2% or so. Uh, sloping away from the house. Reason being, downspouts are too short. Somebody stuck a flower bed up mm -hmm. against the house, which happens a lot, and sometimes up against the siding, burying the brick veneer so the weep holes can't do their job, or or burying the engineered wood or wood siding or whatever, and then uh, none of that water. That, now, with the flower beds, the water is retained against yeah. the siding, yeah. of course. Without flower beds, if we don't have a proper graded site, where water is shedding away from the structure and the downspouts are uh, too close to the house, then we've got water collecting next to the foundation. Unless you're in a flood zone, and even a lot of times when you're in a flood zone, your foundation wasn't waterproofed when it was put in, in this area. Not waterproof. So getting that water away is everything. Getting that water away is everything. So deferred, so what, I guess what I'm hearing, uh, you know, kind of tying this all together, is that a lot of items that we have a lot of the items that we see that maybe seem minor, I mean, it's easy to say, 
you've got mold and oh my goodness, you got to do mold mitigation or crack foundation, but really staying on top of getting that water away from the house is probably the number one thing a, a homeowner should address in their new ownership. Yeah, consider that every foundation is going to have crack. Concrete just cracks. That's the nature of the beast. Yeah. Uh, as long as, I mean, there are, some con there are some cracks in the concrete that are more concerning than others in the size and, and, and shape of it. Uh, and, you know, whether, anyway, there's a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but having cr cracks in the concrete is not particularly alarming. You need to be aware of them so you can seal them up. Because what happens with our seasonal cycles is water gets into those cracks, mm -hmm. freezes, Pushes expands it. the crack, mm -hmm. and therefore grows the crack. And that happens often enough, and you're going to have an issue then. If your water shedding is not happening, like I said, water, we, we, we need it to live on, but it's very destructive if not managed properly. Interesting, interesting. Um, well, that's awesome, Tim. I uh, really appreciate you coming in. I, I guess some of the things I'm taking out of this um, are, one, Tim's excellent and staff's excellent. <laughs> Thank you. Um, very knowledgeable. Um, we're usually inspecting an asset that we, that probably hasn't had a high level of regulatory inspection, certainly in municipalities that don't have inspectors. So. Right. Hiring the right guy to be on your team, guy or gal, inspector being on your team is very important. We're really lucky to have Tim um, working with us. He does a great job. If anybody out there um, you know, needs an inspector, give me a call. I'll give you Tim's um, contact information. He's at Inspect Montana. Uh, does a great job. We're super happy he could come in today. And uh, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Yeah, we're at inspectmt.com. Anybody wants to look us up? Inspectmt.com. Tim Netsley. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you.